Praise God. Well, if you have your Bibles today, please turn in them to the book of James, chapter 4. The book of James, chapter 4, and this morning we'll be reading just one verse and reading many others as we go through this message today. James, chapter 4, and verse 6. The apostle James makes such an, a powerful statement in this verse. He makes many powerful statements. James 4, 6, of course, led by the Holy Spirit to write what he did. And he said in verse 6 of James 4, if you're there, say amen. amen. <clears throat> and James writes, and he says, but he gives more grace. Wherefore, he said, God resists the proud, but gives grace unto the humble. Again, he said by the Holy Spirit, but he gives more grace. I'm so thankful this morning that he gives more grace. He resists the proud, but he gives grace unto the humble. That's the way that God works. And this morning I want to minister to you for a few minutes on the words of James in verse 6 where he said, but he gives more grace. Why don't you pray with me? Father, we come before you this morning in Jesus' name. God, we're so thankful for the moving and operation of your Holy Spirit. We thank you that you are here in the midst of your people. Lord, you inhabit the praises of your people. We thank you, Jesus, today that you are our peace and you are the peace of this world as long as, Lord, as those who accept you. And I pray, God, for your anointing to minister, clarity of thought and speech, and your anointing upon us to receive your word. Let the word be made real to us, Lord, by your spirit. And we say it all in Jesus' name, amen and amen. You know, this statement made by the apostle James, when you get into it, it could be translated, but he gives greater grace to meet the need. He gives greater grace to to meet the need. Whatever the need is, whether it's spiritual, whether it's physical, mental, financial, his grace is greater. I said his grace is greater. He gives more grace to meet the need. Hallelujah. And so the question is right off the bat, what do you need from the Lord today? What do you need from him? Do you need him to touch you spiritually deep on the inside? In reality, that's all of us today. We need his spiritual touch. We need that that unearned working of the Holy Spirit on the inside, setting us free from the power of sin and keeping us free from the power of sin. That's his grace that's doing that on the inside. Do you need a financial blessing? Do you need a physical touch in your body? Do you need him to touch your mind? Do you need him to touch your family? Whatever the need is, his grace is greater. Hallelujah. His grace is greater. His grace is greater. But he gives more grace. Greater than the need, whatever that need may be, his grace, his provision, his goodness is greater than the need. We see this exemplified all throughout God's Word this morning. I could give you example after example after example of the grace of God being manifested. I just think of one in particular when Jesus fed the multitude. 
The 5,000 men, if you include women and children, that's 15,000 people with just five loaves and two fish. Just five loaves and two fish. He fed 15,000 people, the Bible says, until they were full. Until they were full. He didn't give them a little snack. He didn't give them a little, ta- a little crumb from the table. He fed them until they were full. That's what grace does. It, give, it makes you full. But not only that, but the Bible says that Jesus, when he fed the, the, the 15,000, the multitudes, it says there was 12 baskets full left over. There was a basket for every one of the apostles, hallelujah, and their families. Because, why? Because his grace is greater. If there's a need, his provision is greater. Whatever that need is, it's greater. It's greater. Think about it for a moment, the needs that you've had in your life. And think about how God has provided for you. Think about how, how the fact that you're, you're, you're even here right now today because his grace is greater. But he gives more grace. The reason why you're not in some, some institution somewhere with padded walls is because he gives more grace. The reason why you're not out there begging for money is because he gives more grace. The reason why you got a job, the reason why you got a family, and most of all, the reason why you're saved is because he gives more grace. His grace is always greater than the need. Always. If there's a sin problem, his grace is greater than any sin problem. Any addiction and any bondage, his grace is greater. Romans chapter 5 and verse 20, he said, but where sin abounded, grace did what? Much more abound. Hallelujah. Glory. He said in Romans 6 and verse 14, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but you are under grace. Mm. If you have a physical problem, you need a physical touch in your body. You need a healing touch in your body. His grace is greater. He's got more grace for you to be completely healed here on this earth. Or his grace will give you the strength to endure it until one day you are healed. Because you and I as a child of God, when we trust in him, we're always in a win-win situation. You can't lose with Jesus, brother. You can't lose with with Jesus. He's either going to heal you or he's going to heal you. And it's all by his grace. Hallelujah. Woo! My God, it's by his grace. I love it years ago when we, Sharon and I were up in Toronto, Canada. That's where, where Sharon is from. And we were visiting with her dad right before he would pass away a few months, several months after we visited him. And he, cancer had eaten his body. He got saved several years before he passed away, but he cancer and eating his body, he'd come down to 55 pounds. That's how much 
the cancer had eaten his body, and we'd gone up to visit him. And one day that we were there, he asked us if we would pray for him because he was saved now. (laughs) And he said this to us. He said this. He said, and I'll never forget it. He said, God's either going to heal me or he's going to heal me. (laughs) This coming from a man in which cancer was eating his body, but he had the faith to believe that by his stripes we are healed. And he had the faith to believe that even though cancer is eating my body, and, oh, and it may take my body, but it cannot take my soul. I'm a winner regardless. You can't lose with Jesus. I said you can't lose with Jesus. Hallelujah. You can lose with the stock market, but you can't lose with Jesus. If you have a problem mentally, You're being tormented in your mind. You're battling things in your spirit. Maybe nobody else knows about that's happening more and more in the world that we live in. Mental anguish. Mental torment. Much of it is caused by demonic spirits. Much of it is just caused by the world and the condition in which which the world is in today. There's so much strife. There's so much worry. There's so much fear in the world today. So much fear. But I thank God he's not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And it's all by his grace. And Jesus said this in Luke 4 and verse 18, that he heals the brokenhearted. He brings deliverance to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and he sets at liberty them who are bruised. It means those who are captive by mental oppression, brokenhearted. If you have a problem in your mind and you're tormented by his grace, you can be set free because his grace is greater. His grace is greater. If you need strength to deal with the pressures of life or to deal with the attack of the enemy, which all of us, if you live live this Christian life very long, you're going to deal with the pressures of life. If you've set your eyes on Jesus, then you you are on the devil's radar. Hello? If you could care less about the Lord... If you think the Lord is so privileged to have you as his child, then you're not much on the devil's radar. But if your eyes are set on Jesus, hallelujah, and your faith is anchored in the cross, your faith is anchored in the blood of Jesus, then watch out. You're on the devil's radar because you're a threat to the devil's kingdom. This ministry is a threat to the devil's kingdom. But Jesus said on this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Mm. This is what Paul said. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, in verse 9, when Paul was dealing with that thorn in the flesh, and that thorn in the flesh, it was people. It was bringing persecution against him, trying to stop him from preaching the gospel. 
The thorn in the flesh was people, but right next to the people, there was a messenger of Satan. Because as that thorn in the flesh was, was, was trying to stop him physically and trying to get him discouraged, there was that message of Satan whispering lies of discouragement, whispering lies of you, you might as well give up. Whispering confusion, what's going on? You don't even know what you're doing, Paul. What's happening? And the apostle Paul went to the Lord in prayer and said, Lord, please, please. Come on, have you ever prayed this before? I'm looking at some real people. If you've never prayed this, and I don't know how real you are, but if you live for the Lord very long and you've experienced his attack, then you've prayed this. Lord, please, please, Lord, deliver me from this thing. Deliver me from this thorn. Mm. But this is what Jesus said. But he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Oh, my God. I got to read that again. Woo! And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul. My grace is sufficient for you, child of God. My grace is enough to deal with the pressures of life. My grace is greater. It's more than what you need to deal with the attack of the enemy. He said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And then Paul said, most gladly, therefore, would I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. God was saying, I'm not going to deliver you from that thorn, but this is what I'll do. I'll give you grace that is sufficient, okay? But get this, sufficient grace, doesn't, it, it doesn't mean it's just equal to the task. In reality, it's grace that's greater than the attack of the enemy. Get that? Because at the cross, at the cross, it, it wasn't a close victory that Jesus had. Come on, somebody. It wasn't a close victory. I love sports. Sometimes in sports, you have close victories. You're going to have a basketball game and a basketball game that goes down to the final minute. It goes into overtime. And boom, as the, as the time uh, shot clock is going off, the game is ending. Boom. Bucket, and they win. And in the, and in the standings, it's just a W. They don't have CW, close wins. They don't have CL, close losses. It's just a W or an L. But let me tell you something. At the cross, it was not a close victory for Jesus. It wasn't 89, 88. It was 777 to zero. Hallelujah. Glory. Woo. Glory. My God, he kicked the devil's tail. And he won the victory. God said it in Genesis 3.15. He said, the seed of the woman, which was Jesus, you'll bruise, you'll bruise his heel, but he'll crush your head. My God, that's what happened at the cross. 
I'd much rather have my heel crushed than my head crushed. But at, at Calvary, Satan had his head crushed. His authority crushed, it means, over our life. That's what Jesus did. And he said, my grace is enough for you to deal with the attack of the enemy. Brother, sister, I just want to encourage you today. Some of you need to hear this. You need to hear, all of us need to hear this. You've been dealing with some stuff. You've been dealing with some things. You've been de- dealing with some physical problems. You've been dealing with some mental. You've been dealing with some attack of the enemy. But his grace is greater. Well, Brother Bob, I got a financial need. Mm. Well, he's got more grace to meet that need. I got a financial issue, but God's got more grace to meet that need financially. This is what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 7 and 8. He said this. He said, every man according as he purposes in his heart, let him so give, not grudgingly, or of necessity, which means manipulation. Don't be manipulated into it. Just, but he said this, but God loves a cheerful giver. In verse 8, and God is able to make all what? Grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency may abound in every good work. That means that there are financial blessings in the cross, in his grace. It means this. This is the point Paul was making, that if you take care of God's house, he'll take care of your house. He'll bless you. He'll bless you with the job. He'll bless you with a better job. He'll bless you with the money that you need. Hello? Oh, no, no. Oh, that's, oh that's, that's for those word of faith teachers to talk about money. Baloney. His, the word of God talks about it. <clears throat> and it's a lie from the pit of hell. It'd be, it would be, I would be lying if I was to tell you that God wants to make every single one of you a CEO and a multimillionaire and you never to fly commercial again. You're all going to have your own private jet that if you just had, if you just had faith like you ought to, you would always use cash and you would never use credit. That's what they preach. But that's a lie from the pit of hell. But I do know this, that when I take care of God's work financially, that he will take care of me. Hallelujah. And it'll take care of me, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. He said his blessings will chase after me. Come on, somebody, chase after me. That's what his blessings will do. Mm. You need God to bless you financially? Well, he's got grace for that. His grace is greater. Mm. His grace is greater. I like what God told Israel. He told Israel, Deuteronomy chapter 6, 10 and 11, he said, I'm going to give you cities that you did not build, houses full of all good things that you did not fill. I'm going to give you wells that you didn't dig. I'm going to give you vineyards and olive trees that you didn't plant. That's a picture of his grace. 
I'm going to give you materially what you did, what you did not, what you do not deserve. I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you. Because his grace is greater than the need. I'm not talking about you having a multi-million dollar mansion. Well, maybe the Lord will bless you in that way. But I'm talking about him meeting every need that you have. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Meeting every need that you had. The psalmist said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. Mm. There are needs in the ministry for a greater anointing and for God to open doors for the ministry. But he gives more grace. His grace is greater than the need. Come on, somebody. His grace is greater than the need that the ministry has. Or maybe you're a minister today, and you just need the Lord to help you in regard to ministry. You need a greater anointing. I've heard Brother Swagger say this many times over the years, that this ministry, this house, and that's you and I, and what God does at this minute, we need a greater anointing to do what God has called us to do. We need, we need a greater anointing, a greater moving of the Holy Spirit, one that we have not yet experienced yet, but is right on the way. Hallelujah. But this is what Acts chapter 4 and verse 33, oh, I love this verse. Put it, up, they can put it up on the screen. Acts 4 and verse 33. He said this, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. And with great power gave he, or great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Now think about it for a moment. He gave the apostles in that early church, he gave them great grace, it says to give witness of the resurrected Christ. And they were witnessing of the reality of who Jesus said he was to Israel. Israel needed a witness that Jesus said was exactly who he said he was, that he truly was the Son of God, that he was as John the Baptist had declared about three and a half years earlier, that he was the Lamb of God come to take away the sins of the world. And that he truly had risen from the dead. And he was alive and he descended to the right hand of God the Father. And get this, great, God gave them great grace. Great grace to be a witness of the reality of who Jesus was to Israel. Now, if God gave the apostles great grace, great power, to be a witness of Jesus to Israel, then how much more will he now give us great grace to be a witness of the message of the cross all around the world? Great grace. Great power. Yes, he will. Yes, he is. And yes, he will. He's already given us great grace. But whenever you experience great grace, grace, I tell you, there's always more, and there's more, 
and there's more, and there's more, and there's more. You can't exhaust the goodness of God. You cannot exhaust his power. You cannot exhaust his anointing. You can't exhaust his grace. It's greater, greater than the need. You know, grace, the grace of God cannot be deserved because it's completely unearned. It's unmerited. It can't be merited through our good works. It can't be paid for by our money. It can't be deserved. Once you think you deserve God's grace, you just disqualified yourself. Grace in and of itself is a gift. Literally, it means a free gift. Grace, if you were to ask most believers what what grace is, they would say, and rightfully so to a certain extent, they would say grace is the unmerited favor of the Lord, and that is correct. But as Brother Swaggart says, God's grace can also be defined as God's goodness given to undeserving people. Because grace is always a gift that you can't deserve, you can't work for. Once you think again you deserve it, that you, that you work for it, well, I, I, just, I just prayed, I just, I, just, I just went, you know, Brother Bob, I went to church three times this week. Bless the Lord. Now he's got to give me grace. Hello? Or I just did that program. I did the 21-day program. Or I did the 10-day. I did the 40-day. I did whatever program. He has to give me grace. No, he doesn't. He doesn't have to give us anything. And everything that he gives us, it is exactly that. It is a free gift, completely undeserved completely unmerited. I can't work for it. You can't pay for it. You can't hype it up. The real grace of God is always a free gift. It's God's goodness given to undeserving people. God's gift has been described as this, God's grace, that is. It's God's gift when we deserve the penalty. It's Christ's, or it's God's riches at Christ's expense. That's grace. God's riches at Christ's expense at Calvary. His grace is that unearned working of the Spirit in our hearts, giving us freedom from the power of sin. That's that working grace, that sanctifying grace of God. God's grace is divine and unmerited assistance on the inside. That divine and unmerited assistance. I can't do it, but his grace can. His grace is that divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in one's life. That's what his grace is. His grace. But you know, if you really want to know what grace is, you really want to know it more than anything else, you don't have to go any farther than just looking at Jesus and looking at the cross. Because Jesus is grace. Hello? His death at Calvary is grace. It is grace. He is grace. Hallelujah. John said it in John 1, verse 17. He said, the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Jesus doesn't just have grace He is grace. He is the truth. Hallelujah. 
Come on, somebody. He is grace. You got grace living on the inside of you. Oh, Paul said that I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Mm. And this life I now live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You and I have grace living on the inside. Jesus and his gift at Calvary is what grace is. That is grace. You know, it's interesting. In the Old Testament, we see that Christ was concealed. You might have heard that before. In the Old Testament, we see Christ concealed. Or the gift was concealed. The gift of grace in the person and the work of Jesus at Calvary, it was concealed. It was wrapped. You wrap gifts. It was wrapped. And whenever you have a gift... It's wrapped, right? You can't see what the gift is. That's what Jesus was in the, under the old covenant. He was there, but he was wrapped. But when Jesus came, and specifically when he opened up his arms and they put him on that cross, hallelujah, my God, that gift was unwrapped to the world. Unwrapped. The gift was unwrapped. It's no coincidence that when Jesus died on the cross, he died with his arms open wide because he's a free gift to the world. Hello, somebody. I said he's a free gift to the world. Jesus didn't die like this. He died like this because his death at Calvary, his shed blood, was the means by which God gives us grace. It's the means by which the Holy Spirit works. And our faith in him, not our good work, not our works, not our money, not not, not anything, but only faith alone opens the door of grace. Opens the door of grace. Opens the door for God's goodness to be given. Hallelujah. Faith alone. That's not just a good theology. That's the truth. If you need grace today, just look to Jesus. Look to Calvary. Trust him. It doesn't take, it doesn't take superhuman, it doesn't, faith, it doesn't take some great, great, huge faith to experience his grace. It just takes simple, childlike faith. Do you believe today? Well, Brother Bob, you don't understand. I feel so weak. I feel so weak. I feel I'm tired. I'm worn out. I I just need help. Well, you need his grace. And he's got more grace to meet the need, brother. And I learned this a long long time ago. I remember one time, one years ago, I was going through a season of just weakness and tiredness, and I was just worn out. And I came to the Lord in prayer, and I said, Lord, I feel so weak. I feel so tired, even spiritually, not physically so much. But mentally and spiritually, I feel worn out. I feel, and I said this to the Lord. I said, Lord, I feel like my grip on you is so weak. And the Lord spoke to me that day, and he said this to me. He said, know this, that my grip on you is a lot stronger than your grip on me. (laughs) Woo! (laughs) Woo! (laughs) 
God has got his grip on you and he's not going to let you go. Why? It's because his grace is greater. His grace is the cross. His grace is what he did for us at Calvary. And his goodness, the working of the Spirit, every blessing comes through that gift of Jesus at Calvary. As his blood poured out, his blood poured out of his body so his life and his blessings could flow into our life. Mm. There's saving grace. There's sanctifying grace. There's sustaining grace. There's seeing grace. You can see the blessing of God. You can see it with your own eyes. But then there's unseen grace. God working on your behalf, and you don't even know what's going on. Hello? There's slow grace. It's like God has put his blessings in a slow cooker. And you're like, Lord, when is it going to take place? And God says, just wait a little while. It's cooking. Woo. <laughs> My blessing's cooking. My blessing's getting ready, and I'm getting you ready for the blessing. Oh, you can, don't pull it out too early. Come on, somebody. And God gave it to you now, you wouldn't be ready for it. It's slow, Grace. It's cooking. But I tell you, when it's ready... God would have prepared it, and God would have prepared you for it. There's slow grace, but also there's suddenly grace. <laughs> oh, that grace, that blessing's been slow cooking. But when it's ready, oh, my God, and suddenly... Suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. I'm thankful for his saving grace. I'm thankful for his sanctifying grace. I'm thankful for his sustaining grace. I'm thankful for his seen grace. I'm thankful for his unseen grace. I'm thankful for his slow grace. And I'm thankful for his suddenly grace. Suddenly, boom, all of a sudden grace shows up. Come on. Right exactly when you thought all hope was gone. You thought it's over. You thought, you know what, just sign the papers, it's over, let's walk away. All of a sudden, grace shows up. Suddenly. And meets the need, suddenly brings healing. Suddenly again meets the need. Suddenly saves that lost loved one you've been praying for for years. Suddenly, boom. I think of the woman in a second, second Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. She cried out to Elijah, Elisha. She said, The creditor is coming to take away my two sons, and I have nothing in the house. I have nothing. And Elisha said, what do you got in your house? She said, all I got is a pot of oil. That's grace. It's a lie from the pit of hell. 
When Satan says to us, all you God is Jesus. All you God is his grace. What has his grace done for you recently? You haven't seen grace in years. Where's his grace? And it's that lying voice of the enemy. But Elisha said, what do you got in the house? I'll tell you what I got in the house. I got some grace that's in my house. Hallelujah. Oh, and his grace is enough. His grace is enough. Singers, musicians, please come back. And Elisha said, you got that in your house? (laughs) You thought what you had was nothing, but what you got is everything, sister. This is what I want you to do. Go gather vessels, and don't gather just a few. You get as many empty vessels as you can find. Go to your neighbor's house. Knock on the door. I need some empty vessels. Hear me today. While you and I are crying out, Lord, send the oil. We need the oil. We need the Holy Spirit. That's correct to do that. But God is responding from heaven saying, I need some empty vessels to pour my oil into. The Bible says she, her sons went out and got the empty vessels. And the Bible says to shut the door. She shut the door behind her. You need to shut the door on some people. Shut the door on some things. Because where you're going, you got to let them go. You got to let it go. Where his grace is leading you. Hello? I said where his grace is taking you. You can't go with some people. You can't go with some hurts. You can't go with some memories that you keep on, you keep on holding on to. You got to let it go. You got to forget the things which are behind so you can press forward. Shut the door. Shut the door. And they shut the door. She started pouring out a pile of oil. Bring me that vessel. Full. Okay, put that on the side. That's a vessel. Full. Another vessel. Full. Put another vessel. Full. Another vessel. Fill it up. Fifty vessels. Full. The Bible doesn't say, but it could have been a hundred vessels full. And the mother said, do we have any more vessels, son? They said, no, no, we 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 ran out of vessels. The Bible says the oil ceased. Whenever there's no more empty vessels, the oil will cease. Bible, but then Elisha said this. Elisha said to the woman in verse 7, he said, go take that oil. Pay off your debt and then live off the rest. Stand to your feet if you would, please. That's a picture of grace that's greater. I said that's a picture of grace that is greater. You see, at the cross, Jesus paid our debt. But he didn't just pay it off so that our balance is zero. He overpaid our bill. (laughs) he overpaid your bill and your account is not zero your account is overflowing with the riches of his glory I got to close with this I can't leave this out 
Because James said in James 4, 6, God resists the proud. The proud are those who refuse to submit. They refuse because of their pride. They refuse to submit and believe as they ought to in God's redemption plan. The proud can be an unsaved person, but the proud could also be a child of God who just out of their own stubbornness and pride won't submit and won't believe totally in God's plan of who he is and what he did at Calvary like they ought to. He said he resists the proud. God stands against that person. In reality, God just lets that person just lets them go down the road that leads to destruction. It's a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof is the way of death. But he said, but God gives grace to the humble. The humble are those who submit to God's plan. They submit to him. They submit to his plan, that plan of redemption. They submit to the gift, the gift of Jesus. The gift of his shed blood, that his shed blood is not just enough to bring me in, but his shed blood is enough to keep me in. The humble are those that realize I couldn't earn it when I came in and I can't earn it to stay in. The humble are those who continue to believe and they realize, you know, God, I'm your child and your grace is greater to meet every need that I got. This morning, are you in that place? You say, Brother Bob, I just need, I just need some more grace. He's got more. I said, he's got more. He's got more. Well, I know I got everything I need. I got everything I need. Well, yes, in Christ, you got everything you need. That's true. But he's got more in Christ. There's more in Christ that you do need, that you haven't experienced yet. He's got greater grace to meet the need. Father, this morning, we thank you, Lord, that your grace is greater, greater than any spiritual need, greater than any physical need, any financial need, any relationship, Lord, need, any need. We thank you. Your grace is greater. We thank you, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.